0: What? Hey, wake up, man. What's wrong with you? Oh. Oh, shit, it's you.
1: Hey, you should have been with me last night, man. You won't believe what happened. Oh, hey, man, I was on a UFO. I really was, man. Yeah. You never tasted uh. this before, man. Hey, try this, man. Uh. Try to it, pull your head off. No! <laughs>
0: i just wanted to do it because it was fucking metal folks what's up i am he- number six and i am here with andy rouse it is i think i called you andy roush i don't know <laughs> I I had it's Rouse like house but roush kind of sounds cool Ah, John Connery's right. saying it. Ah, Roush. Yes, like the Scottish. We know a Scottish guy. We'll have to get him to say it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Andy, just for the audience um, that might not be familiar with who you are and what the Deep Share podcast is, who are you and what is all that stuff? Well, I do a podcast called
1: The Deep Share. Uh, I've been doing it for about three years, maybe less, maybe more. I don't know time escapes me, but, um, yeah, I, it was kind of like the culmination of me just needing to finally let everything out after like a couple decades of thinking about everything too long and too insanely and, you know, pissing off friends and family members. Um,
0: I feel you on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It seems like the typical story, right. You know, um, you know, whether you woke up quote unquote during like the COVID era or it was 9-11 or even before that, you know, it's, we were all kind of in the same, same, boat. we all decided, yeah, let's, let's buy microphones and start yelling about it, you know? So, so I have, you know, I cover psychedelic perspectives, uh, ancient history and symbolism, uh, spirituality, religion. I'm all over the board, man. I try to stay away from politics and like the super current thing to be upset about you know because it seems like that's what you're supposed to be grabbing at and and freaking out about you know so I just like to
0: almost. yeah Yeah.
1: I just like to go for the roots of everything and you start seeing the politics and all the current things shit as just the same old patterns at that point you know
0: I guess the best way to relate it especially for my brain because all things link back to music for me Nice. Um, it's like whenever you get into like a certain group potentially like uh you, you start looking back to see what influenced them right and you start making connections and yeah. your work i mean when you talk about ancient history who that there <sighs> th- there's a lot of connections to be made um both to everything that you talked about in modern times and about what's sort of getting at people emotionally and triggering people today even um i think all the way back to the dawn of time And, and, and it's because of something that was brought up, I believe on one of the podcasts that you sent me, uh, I believe the filmmaker gentleman that you were speaking to in that podcast remarked something close to this, I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me, but he talked about that if something isn't natural and it just doesn't sit right, that just like everything else gets off, like everything else just sort of wobbles, you know, if it's like, Mm -hmm. it's slightly out of tune guitar, just like can just ruin a mix then having some sort of untruth about who we are as human beings even like the fact that we don't even have a full grasp or understanding of that yet meanwhile we're trying to like go to fucking space (laughs) right right. (laughs) like it's just it's it's a really hard thing like we're basically monkeys with pants on at this point um, yeah. With nuclear <laughs> weapons and <laughs> crazy agendas. So, yeah. I mean, if somebody even asked you, man, like, how did we even get here? Where do you start with some of the studies that you've had? Like, how do we get to here to monkeys with pants? <laughs> oh man. well, it's a long
1: road. Where, how did I get there? I, like I said, I kind of st- started with uh psychedelics were my most interesting thing. Cause I, took psychedelics when I was younger and it changed my life. It turned me from an atheist to a who knows what it, it did Mm -hmm. a lot of things, you know, and I listened to a lot of interesting people over the years, but, you know, that was a long time ago. And, you know, you step back a few levels of scale and it's like, okay, you start understanding that, well, that whole revolution was kind of pushed to begin with, Mm -hmm. which is creepy you know, you start seeing all the players and where all the money's going and coming from and all the, the experiments, the MK ultra, the, this, the, that it's everywhere. And, um, so that really threw me for a loop and that was years ago. Uh, that was like, you know, mixed in with finding out basically all of our musicians and just everything was controlled. That whole angle of control was, uh, pretty astonishing years ago. And, uh, ever since then, I've had a hard time like trusting the narratives being laid out by the counterculture as well. So that was kind of like my secret weapon, always just like constantly be discerning and never plant a flag anywhere really. And the closest place I ever really planted a flag was ancient aliens, because I thought what I was thinking about ancient aliens while watching BlackRock owned History Channel, uh, was that this was clearly the hidden truth that's finally coming out. I totally get it now, and uh, I had to really eat my lunch on that one eventually, um, because I've gone full 180 degrees on that too. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that really answered the question of how we get to monkeys with pants,
0: but well. uh definitely it's a good it's a good start because you know and i have been that uh person too and i think that that dose of humility that it takes right to to get to that point where you just say well i'm not i'm i'm holding the flag right now i'm not playing the fucking thing because <laughs> i have uh, like i'm I'm looking at a lot of contradictory evidence on both sides or whatever i i, I think it's great to have a skeptical approach but also understanding that there are times in your life. And and I think during that same conversation, you guys remarked about um, sort of the relations between men and women. And there's mm-hmm. times in my life where I have to admit that uh, I don't know shit about certain things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, man. shit. That was my ultimate message from the other side or whatever you want to call it. Every time I've ever gotten really deep, whether it was psychedelics or breath work or anything, meditation, Um, The message is always you don't know and you won't know like it's 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 not about figuring it all out. (laughs) And so with that in mind, that's kind of how I try to proceed through what I'm reading and taking in with history from not only mainstream anthropology and archaeology, but also alternative anthropology and archaeology or freelance, whatever the fuck we want to call what most of us do, you know, when coming up with theories about the ancient past. Um, and I find that most of the alternative world, when we talk about things like Atlantis, we're literally just following the narrative. The Now, granted, they call it fiction. They say it wasn't real or, oh, there's no evidence for it, but I still learned it in academia. As a child, as an adolescent, as a teenager, Atlantis was kind of part of the discussion, whether it was real or not, you know? So there's a narrative surrounding Atlantis, you know? So we're, we're kind of, uh, handed a lot of these interesting alternative parts of history that are popping up and, Oh, look what we've discovered now. There's always a uh, certain spin to it. There's already a story written for how they want things to come out.
0: Oh, that. That goes back to something that popped into my head when you just said the word counterculture, because, I mean, we we sort of talked about it off air. We have an appreciation for some heavy music and, you know, a a big introduction sort of to the world of even truther or conspiracy stuff, whatever they want to call it nowadays, uh, was the fact that I ran out of music documentaries to watch. So I started watching those ones. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah but one of the big ones for me was sam dunn uh he's a a canadian i believe and uh he did metal a headbanger's journey and he did the rush documentary i believe he was, he was also involved in a great alice cooper documentary things of that nature um but what really struck me with him was is that his studies in anthropology the way he yeah. talked about metal as a subgenre uh, but not just that, but as a subculture, you mm, know, there's yeah. there's there's like uh something about like being amongst metal people at shows that is oh, different. Yes. it is oh, a different yes. vibe. There is a church mores and laws. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is its own unique culture. Um, But within that culture, I mean, as you described there, I mean, if you go back to the influence of Tavistock and other things, these are often tropes <laughs> on AM wake up. As uh, mm-hmm. that audience would remind me of almost immediately. Man, uh, rest in peace, David McGowan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, and, and that's the that's the thing about me is that you know, so much of my life was spent uh putting time and effort into you know listening and learning and playing and other things like that, where you know how much of that um is influenced by the bullshit and how do you weed out what's good and what's bad? It's it's something that you really have to look at deeper into you have to do a deeper contemplation and perhaps maybe that's why the the psychedelics tie into this so much is because how does one turn a a modern brain off how does one turn a modern brain that has so much stimuli all around us so much influence all around us on our fucking phones and Mm. giant flat tvs and everything else in our computers right how does one turn that off and really get connected to some deep inner monologue and some thought like I'm sure you've argued with yourself a lot over this shit, haven't you not? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's nearly impossible. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um meditation's a good way, but it's also really, really hard. You know, not a lot of not a lot, a lot of that dialogue goes on in uh, in our world when we talk about things like meditation, it's like just do this
0: for 20 years and you'll be good and it's just you know i prefer that guided that's one of the things or <laughs> just like if you have someone guiding the meditation it's easier for me to kind of lock in as opposed mm-hmm. to left up to my own devices i'm going to be like fucking skiddly bebopping in my fucking brain no. my, my <laughs> wife
1: would agree with you she feels the same way she <laughs> prefers the guided for me for whatever reason i i can just sit alone in darkness and <laughs> that's pretty much good enough you know um but i don't do it nearly as much as i should uh, it's so like rooted out of modern culture and the modern mind, you know, and some people are getting back to it, which is really great to see. Um, I hope that continues. Cause I think it's, I think it's like one of the most important things you can do. And it's just, it's contemplation, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be meditation, but it can be just sitting with yourself and being at peace without the technology and everything. You know, it, I can read academic papers for four hours on a screen and it's still going to give me a terrible headache and make me like just reel from it and need to get away from it. You know, a book
0: doesn't do that even. So I don't know. (laughs) Well, we're in a battle against time and, and that battle every single day. Like when you mentioned just doing deep breathing, like Hmm. the fact that most people do not even consciously have the time out of their day set aside to even consciously think about, how they're fucking breathing man like just stopping and going oh if i breathe in through my nose and not through my mouth that's better that that (laughs) i will function better as a person if that happens and then also controlling that breathing and learning how to control my diaphragm and everything like that can help with my voice and everything else like there's those little tricks that you pick up just with age and experience i guess but Hmm. i I don't think people just run into that stuff like you have to have good mentors and, and guidance through that um, what what was sort of the thing and the better guidance that tipped you off onto studies like the box saga? What what was like the mentor or the thing that sort of guided you into that? Because I don't think people just and I've been listening to like talk radio, conspiracy stuff, whatever for a long ass time. Mm. I, I'm not that familiar with it. So how did how did you get onto that path? well so i would say
1: the inspiration is still rooted into what i said earlier about like discernment i i kind of have like an occam's razor built into me not that i'm not wide open because obviously i've had some pretty extraordinary experiences from my own consciousness and even out there in the world like i've seen some crazy shit you know that i'm not ruling anything out but the occam's razor in me has always been there i got a really deep piece of advice from a total stranger one time that may have been real or may have been a figment of my imagination that's a story too but um the advice was don't believe everything you hear but also don't believe everything that you think. And that just really, really stuck with me and it, it gained meaning over time, you know? And uh, so what it gave me was this idea that when I do come to conclusions, as we all tend to latch on to a, a conclusion type feeling about certain things, uh, resist it as much as you possibly can um, because you're probably wrong, especially when it comes to these massive mysteries that. Uh, no one has figured out, you know, I, I it would, it's just the the epitome of arrogance to come out uh, in this alternative world and say, I have all the answers, you know, and I, I see a lot of charlatanism in the counterculture more than the academic world because they're kind of taught to be very uh modest you know And we could definitely talk about how it beats you down academia and makes you feel very modest and humble and little but at the same time there is kind of a a thing there's a big difference there where on our when in our playing field there's so many a hundred percent this is happening type people uh and it's dangerous i mean we can roll our eyes at it. We can say it's frivolous, but it's not only entertained by the biggest shows, no matter what the subject matter, you know, for the most part, but also there's no follow up, really. There's no like, well, we've kind of looked into other perspectives that rule out this one, this one, this, you know, and I don't know. I think we need to progress into this as if we are playing for keeps. And, you know, if we're finding important information, but we're leaning in on certain parts of it with our own ego or our own perspective on things without having real information, then it can be really dangerous. And I I hold myself accountable to that too. I admit that things like the box saga absolutely have parts of it that we can't account for. Absolutely. It's the parts that we can account for that, are just really fascinating and you can't look away
0: <laughs> Well, you said it right there my friend um it's it's the stuff that can't be defeated by right. by a logical test you know whenever you have certain conclusions that you think that you've arrived at that's when you invite other people to step in and test it you yeah. know like you 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 think you have a working model of of how something came along then it's best to probably leave it up to other people to try and deflate or you know that argument as much as they can and if they can't come up with any shit. Then you might have something going there, right? And even, even yeah. then, still be skeptical. So when you say resist, you mean just you know apply, you know a, a critical type of thinking there too that leads to certain logical conclusions. Eventually, we hope.
1: Yeah, and I think you know there's an argument that can be made and will be made often and has been made, uh, um, where it's like at this part of the conversation, it sounds like I'm kind of just like shrugging off all conspiracy or something. I'm, I'm really not, but I will say that a lot of the narratives that we have been like taught, even in the alternative world seem to be very suspect. And we take it back to this box saga and things like that. There is this form of logic that actually kind of backs it up. And it's kind of like the undoing of, uh, what's the right word? the provocative nature of mythology and folklore and things like that.
0: Okay. So one of the things that came to mind whenever I was reading about the box saga is I grew up with, and I'm not sure if you're familiar, but you might be, uh, the Pantera video for planet caravan, wherever the seed drops from outer space and then, you know, you know, pollinates the rest of the, the earth around it and
1: everything. Mm Mm-hmm. The box so saga, so trippy. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and that's that's what the box saga stuff reminded me of. Like listening to some hmm. of your conversations and talking about it is just like when when you talk about the dawn of time, and yeah. and, and the dawn of mankind. Like what what got us to this point? And uh, just for like a like a little primer for the the audience, if you were to say walk somebody into what the box saga is and what that means and it's the way it's spelled too it's different it's b-o-c-k isn't it yes
1: bach b-o-c-k
0: just so people know all right Mm -hmm. all right and and uh yeah that tom in the in the chat shout out to tom mentions yeah the ring uh Uh, there's there's a lot to do with rings uh and this and that 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 tied into a lot of the tolkien stuff that i grew up with so yeah, there, there's too. something to a ring of. Power, yeah, we can I guess. definitely
1: get into that because, yeah, that's really important. Because the box saga, yeah, I'll give a little primer. And, you know, I found it like two years ago. And ever since, it's kind of been like a placeholder. It's just been there as a possible, like, what if. And I've just been going, okay, if the box saga is, then how can I. Rope other things into it and see if they fit or don't fit. And man, I was late to the party because people older than me and more versed in the saga than me have been doing that for years. And now we have a telegram. So we're putting all these ideas into it. And it's, it's incredible, man. It's, it's pretty crazy.
0: I'm going to have to wild. check out the Telegram, man. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, AM Wake Up uh, got me onto the Telegram stuff, and I've, I've been enjoying it lately. There's, there's some good groups on there, for sure. Yeah, man. I
1: had one specifically for my podcast, the Deep Share Podcast, because everybody was doing it. But I didn't really – I wasn't really – doing anything with it. So I just got rid of that. And I started this English speaking Saga channel, because a good friend of ours overseas in uh, Germany has a German slash Scandinavian languages kind of speaking Box Saga channel where, you know, you got to copy paste everything and Google translate everything. So instead of doing that, I just kind of wanted to bring uh, a good amount of them in on the English side and just have a wider audience over here in the west to be exposed to this and like i said i encourage people every time when i advertise it like you know bring your skepticism bring your questions come on like please that's what we need more eyes on it more uh more perspectives um but yeah i'd love
0: to see what my friend silas from silas speaks uh thinks of the box saga and all this because he knows more about ancient history than i do for sure he's he's written a book about the fall of civilizations throughout time Oh, nice. uh, called rise and fall yeah and his his videos are awesome man they're they're a trip they're like a great monologue with like some classical music and like like music in the background while he kind of just hypothesizes on what's going on in the world I, I think awesome. you' I'll, I'll, I'll send you some shit brother i'll send please you some do shit. that sounds yeah. like raw beauty right there <laughs> oh yeah and, and that's what's great about it too like because when whenever you're going into something like this i mean you can get microscopic on the detail right like you can cut down to like line per line as to where things connect with certain things and you can lose a lot of people's attention i'm sure like in, yeah, in, in, if you're not in, interested
1: in this stuff it's and that's the problem with a lot of this deep deep Shit is that you can't get a lot of inter- people interested you know my dad loves history right i can't get him into any of this shit because he just automatically assumes i'm going against the history he learned you know what i mean
0: well and, and that's that's an affront to certain people and like Absolutely. for me it, it, it took a while for me to actually realize how much that really kind of disturbed people and you know it's no i mean i guess i get it in a way because i mean there are there has been times where my mind has been fucking blown i don't want to deal with it but i guess i've always been the type of person where kind of like steve has described himself on a and wake up it's just i I feel a little like a little bit outside the box watching inside the box Mm -hmm. so i mean i don't i don't let those things hurt me as much but that's good I guess it does for a lot of people, though, like especially if you're tied into a particular faith or religion or timeline or or even academic studies when it comes to even because just from listening to some of your work, when it comes to archaeology, even like just the debates over who gets to do what and what type of procedures are done and just like what certain symbols mean. Like there's some crazy Indiana Jones shit going on here, man. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah. And that's why they have the movies so they can just (laughs) make it all make believe, you know, but yeah, I see that disappointment and that, that cringiness and that tension, even in the alternative community, because like you think about it, we're all in modern times for a very, very long time. We've all been raised that the world is kind of mundane and it is exactly as it appears and seems. And you go to school, you go to work and all that in every country for a very long time that's the world that we all grew up in and then some of us have this moment in our lives that turns our head right and we start thinking differently and we've been opened up to possibilities that are you know beyond what we were assuming um and that i find to be the most vulnerable place for most of us and that's where a lot of the conclusions have come from and Without really saying this is it, all this movement itself as an entity—call it conspiracy theory, or alternative, or revisionist history, whatever you want to call it—it's been guided, and there's definitely a co-opting and you know, like a controlled opposition aspect to it. Because what have we heard for twenty years from any esoteric teachings or? historical perspectives, like revisionist history, it's all Babylon, Sumer, Egypt, Babylon, Sumer, Egypt. That's where all of it comes from. Crowley was into the Egyptian and Sumer and Babylon stuff. It's all rooted there. So if they know exactly where it came from, then boom, that's the story that's being peddled by everybody. And of course, the roots of it are Atlantis. So it's fuzzy because all we have is Plato. So, therefore, you have this big question mark at the beginning that people can run fucking wild with, which they do. Um, and it, it just it feels like a total uh, – it, it's just as controlled as academia, in my opinion.
0: Well, that gets into some scary territory because, um, well, think of the implications of people's misunderstanding of those basic concepts, right? And how people can be manipulated because of their misunderstanding of those basic concepts, even when it comes to their own identity, like just of like doing doing a uh, a DNA test to figure out what nationalities that you are, you know, or is- yeah, or
1: like how many people felt like part of something and latched on to people like Corey Good talking about like the secret space pro- program, and turns out it was all him and his works of fiction in his head, which. A lot of us may have already assumed anyway, but yeah, it, it comes out. It's like how many people parroted that same bullshit after he did it years and years ago. And it was all uh, in uh, what was it called? Uh, intellectual property.
0: <laughs> oh, even, even just no. the use of DNA uh, for those those things, like the, the trust and faith in, in the right. system in order to tell you exactly where you belong in the human hierarchy of things like i had a yeah, listener man. to explain to me that we're generally from two different races of beings but there were three ah uh, yes okay well and I mean, uh I mean, you sure. know and, and some and somehow we we uh became what we are as humans and that's why we share like certain like uh, uh the homo sapien dna versus the cro magnon dna that even mm-hmm. came up in some of the covid stuff like where they talked about if you had this certain line of DNA that you were less or more likely to uh, to get COVID, like it was. Oh, really? studies. Oh, yeah. So, the, like, even that, like, how much of that could be off because we don't understand the the core sort of where we come from whenever it comes to humankind.
1: Well, you said it. You said Cro Magnon, right? Yeah. And the most recent studies and absolute one hundred percent proof is out there that. Uh, Cro-Magnon has literally nothing different about it than modern humans, not just anatomical. Every little part of it is absolutely 100% modern human. There's literally no difference other than the name they give it. And what does the name do? It relegates it to an entirely one different species, different part of our evolution, and a much humbler story, that's for sure with no real history to worry about or speak of whatsoever. And it doesn't matter where they were and where they went. We have our out of Africa story and that's all there is to it. And it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's kind of where, where we're headed with um, all this stuff.
0: Well, as you said, then as opposed to talking about what it is, then if, Mm. if the history of man isn't derived from monkeys in Africa becoming us or whatever. Um, then what are the alternatives that you've seen in your studies?
1: Well, I've seen a lot of them and a lot of them seem to go to aliens and, and supernatural beings or other dimensional beings or something like that. But one story I heard a couple of years ago called the box saga told a very humbling human story that wasn't building anything up like all the other alternative history stories do. Um, this put all the power all the history all the whole story back in the hands of humanity itself and it was a heathen story. it's a oral story passed down through many generations uh, in one single family in southern Finland um, and supposedly this family goes, all the way back to the beginning and their beginning is a hundred million years ago. And that's just a number that the saga says that's part of it that I have a big question mark next to, you know, I don't necessarily go see now we're a hundred million years old. You know what I mean? It's just, it's there and it, it should be stated as such. But um it's not like he handed yeah.
0: you a logbook. Like look at the sign in, like it's an Airbnb. Like right. there it is there is some a hundred million years ago checking in. Right.
1: And there's no and that's the thing. The part of the saga that has little information is those millions of years. Um, but the parts of the saga that lead from though that ancient, ancient, ancient hypothetical history into areas, um, that are a little bit juicier, I guess you could say, uh, it's where we can kind of start to match things up with things we've heard from many, either alternative sources or just standard history. It's all, it feels like the root of an urban legend where it gets really big and really scary. And then there's a guy with a claw hand and all these crazy things, but at the root of it, it's this very simple story. And that is very much what the box saga is. It's the story of humanity and the supposed beginning of our, our creation. And uh it, it tells a story. It tells this, the perspective it tells is really interesting and it hit home with me big time for some reason because I always wondered in my head, what would the conscious modern, if you want to call it that, but it's very ancient too. What would the conscious mind? in a human being do if it was literally just figuring everything out for the first time and no one was there telling it what was what. And that is the most, the closest thing I can say about the box saga. It feels like humanity literally figuring itself out from the beginning, like walking right out of animal nature and into this new curious self awareness that they didn't have before. Um, but still very animal as well and not, you know, proud of that proud, definitely proud of that. And uh, yeah, just to jump and make an interesting parallel, of course, you know, in the Bible, in the Christian perspective, the animals are just disgusting and nothing. And, you know, that's where um, the, you know, the serpent is is relegated to uh, because of his, uh, you know,
0: transgressions and stuff like that. See, and and when you talk about stuff like that, like my mind immediately goes, like when you talk about the separation of like animals and man and Mm. and just like our roles, man, that's a very prescriptive like type of way of of life. You know, when we, like, I'm sure you've read into a lot of different philosophies sort of in a way going Mm -hmm. through this too, uh, because that's another medium of record. That we have, that's a connection to that time that's made it thus far. Like we don't, we don't have a bunch of like YouTube videos that we can go back in and like catch up on from those eras. If I could, if I could beam you back in time, right, and put you back to that hundred mil- million years ago, what what are the artifacts that you would look for in order to to prove what the the box saga set forward? Like, would there be something that you could bring back to to sort of prove? Yeah, it?
1: yeah. I mean, if the box saga is true. And, you know, a lot of us who are interested in it are like holding our breath, like, hey, you know, is it, is it not? And there is a possibility that we might find out one way or the other uh, in a very material, physical way. Um, so if I went back that far, well, in the story, this place still exists 100 million years ago, supposedly. Um, I would go to their main temple where they claim all pilgrimages throughout time everywhere on Earth originates from the pilgrimage back to the north where this story takes place. And they had one temple called the Lemminkainen temple, or it's known as that today. Lemminkainen is a character in not only the box saga, but also in a skewed portion of Finnish mythology as it's accepted, exce- ex- as it's accepted by academia. Um But the Lemminkainen temple was supposedly the storehouse for all the remembrance treasures of all the generations of people who had ever lived in this original family and they would be brought and they would make statues of gold, all kinds of gold uh, ornaments and um, carvings and yeah, what you name it, all kinds of things, relics, uh, all in honor of the traditions and the family itself. And it's located in Sipu, Finland, in the southern part of Finland. Um, And it's been pursued for the last 30-something years or maybe longer than that now. 1987 was when the shovels first went in the dirt um, to start excavating this, what the Finnish uh, Historical Society deemed uh, a natural rock formation, nothing to be found whatsoever. But the man who told this story to begin with, Eeyore Bach, uh, he was the last remaining member of his family. And when his mother finally died, uh, it was his obligation to tell the story. So he started telling it to his friends and it expanded and got bigger and bigger and bigger over time. But um, what he said about this temple was that when they excavated if they were able to start excavating it properly they would run into certain stones start you know certain artifacts before they got anywhere just to bust into the place and everything was exactly as he described it um when he wrote it and drew it Um, Somewhere we could probably find pictures on the site of his drawings of what they would find after they blasted through about 15 feet of rubble and bedrock. Um, And they did find those placed stones that did not belong there. Massive boulders that were a completely different kind of stone inside what the historical society called was a uh, totally natural formation of rock
0: i mean and as a skeptic up a massive cavern he, he wasn't taking a shot in the dark there then <laughs> that would have been nearly impossible to just be like you know what i'm a dude right. dude. like how long would he let it go for right
1: i mean he was a uh, part of it until he died so and it's still wow. going today um they have found there's there was a find in 2021 I think it was as recently as twenty one, or even twenty two. Maybe it was last year. My well, memory fails.
0: Shockingly <laughs> recent, too. Like there's just even when you say, like, I know that I'm fucking feeling old, but you know, eighty seven feels a long time ago. But that, right, for archaeological dig sites and places like that, that really ain't that old. No, like for them not- to be working on a site like that, they could work on sites like that for a fucking. Forever. Well, and
1: of course, this was all independent, too. I mean, the Finnish government ah. wanted nothing to do with it, and and. Also, by the time suddenly a major, I think the biggest company to offer this kind of service in Finland uh, was suddenly really interested to help. Um, Very soon after that, things went to shit. Everybody went to jail for a while. Um, They weren't allowed to dig there for a long time. So... Interesting things were at work. Oh yeah, there was a whole situation. Yeah, where outside sources came in to help the dig site, and uh, turned out that they were moving weight, quite a bit of uh, illicit drugs, and uh, yeah, this whole situation happened, and everybody was put in jail. People that weren't involved in it directly, um,
0: just there, just there digging.
1: Sure does. There's a lot. There's a lot of interesting little nuggets, but there's so much oral, um, information. Um, this is instead of like going to a bunch of like conspiracy websites and you can, you can, you can read about it here and there, but most of the primary information is listening to these guys in Scandinavia who knew Eeyore and heard the story from him and tell their perspective on it. And, and, you know, their dissection of what Eeyore gave them. And there's, hundreds of hours on that site i sent you the uh, boxsaga.info yes. all about yeah you know, there's just endless videos in their video section and they're really dated there's a lot of vhs quality stuff from the early 90s late 80s that i would love to remaster at some point and talk of that is in the works but it's just such a massive project to i mean to help
0: tim do. and eric's awesome show made that shit cool a couple of years back so it's it's all it you know, <laughs> has that feel to it it's actually uh it's kind of nostalgic you know <laughs> so this check part. this
1: out so in i think it was either last year or the year before it might have been i think it was like during the heat of covid so it was like 21 um an axe head a medieval axe head was found inside the dig site way way deep like 60 feet into this massive chamber that they had slowly been carving out through the quote-unquote bedrock but it wasn't bedrock anymore it was massive boulders that had been placed inside this naturally formed rock rock thing so they find this axe head and they and eventually get it sent away to a museum and uh the guy calls them, sends it back or whatever. And it's dated to the 12th century, which is fucking crazy because it lines up with certain events in this saga's history, which is just crazy. So who knows, but that's where I would go back a hundred million years. I'd go to the temple and see if it was real. See if right. it was is there a
0: metal album about this shit yet? Because we talked yes, about it. Yes, there is. Access. Okay.
1: <laughs> There's Thanks. actually many. So, in my Box Saga ch- uh, Telegram channel, I've had a lot of the members send a bunch of metal songs and lyrics and stuff that definitely relate to a lot of this stuff, whether they know they're talking about it or not. Because part of this is that our whole language has been hijacked. And the Box Saga kind of gave me the primer for that. But I've gone way away from just the box saga and have figured that out about a lot of the words we use are totally confiscated and changed around and the theme. And as long as I follow this theme, I keep finding it over and over again is wherever there is something to be made mystical and physically uh, apparent in the spiritual world, like uh, fairies, elves, gnomes, all these mystical creatures, angels, Anunnaki, you name it. We're all over the board here. Wherever you look in those directions, you're going to find roots of humanity and how these words all related to different like titles, the titles for caste systems and things like that, place names, uh, surnames in some cases, descriptions of certain uh, groups, the meanings of our words have been altered, but we are still being sold and we still use those words if that makes any sense. Like for instance, when you hear, when you see some cute girl on TikTok talking about how to make a fairy circle, she's actually just talking about a bunch of dudes sitting around a table because it's actually fairy circles are, it's a term from Scotland talking about the Royal picks where we also get the term pixie and it's their form of government was these round tables that the most, the closest thing we have in Western history is, you know, Monty Python with them dancing about the round table, and Arthurian legend, which nobody takes seriously anyway. But if you go back to the etymology and the oldest stories about these things, there it's all human stories. And the oldest anthropology talks about this, but there was a switch at some point, and there's been a lot of switches. I mean, little bits here and there have. It's, it's it's a deep story for sure i kind of got off track there
0: <laughs> oh but but just talking about words though i mean i've had that discussion with a, a lot of the different uh podcasters especially some of the more og podcasters out there shout out to like chuck ocelli people like that get mm-hmm. me on in the entomology he worked with jordan maxwell on that kind of stuff so like that's where a lot of that stuff that i've run into just because i aggregate uh, information from so many different sources. Yes, um, it's just like the the source of our words. Uh, Chris from uh, Randcast and A&M Wake Up talks about the spell casting in language all the time. Uh, Shout out the, out to Chris, oh, absolutely, he does great fun work. And then uh, the uh, the rule of three, like things like that in speech, like how to say something. Like I, I'm a big wrestling uh, fan too, so growing up watching people, you know, cut promos. You know, when you want to get something over, you say something twice, say something <laughs> twice, you know, like you just kind of come back in and like it's just the way that you use those sort of things. Like it is, oh, yeah. it is a spell casting. I've seen it like change people and just like even the way you conduct yourself, my friend, like the, the way that you speak to people. Like if you change your language and your words and your inflection with it, you can immediately, you can change their mood on a dime. Like mm. you, it gives you use of words, gives you a great amount of power. Um, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there's, there's, as pointed out in many uh, sagas uh, throughout, at least in popular culture that I grew up with, there's a dark side and there's there's another side to it, I think, though. Is there that duality for you that you found? Is there like a dark a darkness and evil out there when it comes to yeah, this? Yeah,
1: I mean, man. So I will say that talking about the Bach saga, particularly the and we're talking about words being uh, confiscated and altered Um, you know, words like military and infantry and war war was their word for spring. And what happens in springtime is baby making. Right. And the words military and infantry, they break down in their root language to mean the birthing process, the time for um, giving birth to new offspring and celebration like basically pagan rituals of um fertility rites and things like that it was all about giving birth to people rather than sending them off to die
0: oh yeah the men who survived the wars get to go home and have the babies right
1: sure yeah the few that do absolutely yeah
0: it's the spoils of war i guess
1: but so in the box saga terms there was no war i mean this is a um and of course it sounds altruistic at this point in the game. And anytime there's any theories like this, we kind of just scoff at it, but this is one of those stories that in the original time, there was no war because there was no battles. There was no violence with each other because everyone was under the same system. It's very altruistic and it is hard to believe because of how far away from any of that we are. Um, but it takes a lot for me to just kind of not accept, but entertain something of that outlandish nature without doing my due diligence. And I will say that the, the root language, the language surrounding it and how it breaks everything down and what the saga claims about where these people went in the story, uh, it lines up with what we have in the archeological and anthropological data. If we're, you know, kind of seeing through between the lines well like we talked about cro-magnon modern human these sort of things um seeing between those lines it's all there and it all connects
0: well that's what i was going to ask next uh you read my mind there my friend thank you (laughs) and um it's just about how does this connect to bloodlines how does this connect to power structures and hierarchies and the way that this sort of uh, society, even I guess you could mm. say, was shaped? Then.
1: So you mentioned Tolkien earlier, mm-hmm. and a lot of us grew up with Lord of the Rings. I loved it. You know, read the books, watched the movies, but I always wondered back in the day, like, oh, I thought elves were like tiny little people. You know, he made his elves like nobility. You know, these human like people that were just astonishing to behold you know
0: They'd beat and of the course- shit out of those keebler elves for sure
1: <laughs> right um and so you know that just kind of danced around in my head and then left for a long long time until box saga i found that and then enough modern words that all kind of equated to either ancient aliens for me or religious ideology um or being humanized it kind of sent me on a rabbit rabbit goose chase, just crazy trying to find it everywhere. And I went to my favorite, um, you know, ancient alien stories where, where the Anunnaki and Zachariah Sitchin, because I was obsessed. I have all those books right there in the bookshelf, like all the 10th planet stuff, you know? Um, And what I started to find when I looked for the possible human perspective of it was that it was, Not only there long before I thought of it, but it was well documented and among all the other theories in conspiracy and alternative thinking, but was like the least popular. And even the authors that I found eventually in their careers careened into ancient alien territory anyway. So this small window that I've found so far of literature surrounding a human perspective on all these ancient texts is from people like Nicholas Vere and Lawrence Gardner. Lawrence Gardner was a part of this, uh, basically it was like a fraternity almost, but it was, uh, you know, acknowledged by the state or whatever in Britain as this, uh, I don't know, conglomerate of princes is what they basically called it. And they would um, take stock of everything that was going on in the left extremists and the right extremists, and they would talk about it, you know, whatever on the face, the front facing side of it, regardless, this man, Lawrence Gardner had access to all these different royal houses and all their family trees and their lineages. And he started to put things together. And eventually he came across this guy, Nicholas De Vere, who was claiming his own sovereign royalty from this House of the Dragon lineage. And so I got really into all this stuff and I started reading through it. And what I'm finding is, at least from the perspective of the, you know, privately owned royal houses, chronologies, and libraries, this information goes right back to ancient humans and it's all there for the pickings. And without knowing the saga, it's interesting where these authors take it because they basically take it back to Lord of the Rings and kind of take that literally instead of the mythology that the rest of us take. Literally, do you follow what I'm saying there where it's like yeah. they kind of, uh they still end up in this place at the origin point where like the closest one is Nicholas Devere who says that these dragonborn people that his family's a part of uh, were a race apart and they grew up isolated and evolved isolated from the rest of humanity. And that is extremely close to what the box saga says, but he still claims that it was, they were not human. They were more than human, better than human. And from the perspective of the language used back then, it would seem that they at least stylized themselves that way in a lot of regard, but this is still um, thousands and thousands of years after this supposed origin point in box saga. We're getting a little bit grandiose here. I'm not sure how we reel this in. (laughs) I apologize. It's such a big story to talk about. Well,
0: it um, is, but I mean, with that though, like, so if somebody were to challenge it, if yes. somebody were to challenge and say, "Hey, I I heard this about um the the, the, the box saga in terms of okay, so it's it's Eor making claims about the his family and these are oral histories, so as you said before, like you're looking at things that can be easily embellished because it's a, it's a verbal story right and and mm-hmm. also the meaning of the words that if you don't understand them can completely go over your head in the story if you're not sort of reading it in the right uh, in the right language you have to and, have a really broad perspective
1: you really do for it to like hit and go holy shit you know kind of like jazz
0: it, it just, it's it, it, it's you know box saga is not yeah. typically
1: something that like, okay, I've been into conspiracy since I was like 16 and I'm 38. Yeah. Like, okay. it yeah. takes a lot. I found it two years ago, you know? And if I had found it 10 years ago, what would I have thought? How deep would I have mm-hmm. looked? You know what I mean? Especially if it was taken away my precious aliens, because I have a personal thing about that. The aliens, the gods, the, whatever mysticism you're believing is out there that you can find in the books handed down to you by... All the
0: powers that have always been, you're mistaken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and he, one of the things that I've always thought, whenever it comes to aliens, and some of the things that I've looked at and read about our explorations or failure to explore space,
1: mm-hmm. is that
0: it, it's been proposed and by lots of people, much, much smarter than I am, I'm sure, that there's dimensional travel. So if it weren't alien dimensional travel, could it be human to human dimensional travel and that's that's how we arrive well
1: i mean you're talking about like what birth
0: well we it's arrived? just um, as far as like our arrival on this planet could could it have been other humans that are inhabiting another dimension that found a way oh, our okay. dimension to put humans here
1: So here's the thing: I don't know enough about physics to use that word "dimension" the way (laughs) with 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 confidence. (laughs) But I will parrot what many physicists have said when they're faced with this kind of material. And I know some of us like to just go, "Well, all of science is bullshit. We have to take it by the reins and create our own science." Some of it's legit, I think. And when physics, when physicists. When I just see them on Twitter saying, I don't know what the hell these people are talking about when it comes to dimensional travel, but okay. I go, ha, huh, that's that little nugget right there is very important and no one's going to retweet it. No one's going to look at it. No one's going to like it. And everyone's going to go, no, 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 no we could do it. No. And aliens are doing it. And the Anunnaki did it and, and, and Yahweh did it. And we all, we're all doing it. Yeah, it has to, because, 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 If not, then what is death? Because all of these fucking things are connected to our fear of death. Every single one of them. And I'm not an atheist. I'm not saying we go in the dirt and that's it. By no means am I saying that. I connect mostly from my psychedelic trips and meditations to people telling their near-death experiences. So I don't have a clue what's going to happen. But I know that even the most... Diehard truthers in a lot of cases, they just claw desperately and hold desperately to their fear of death. And it doesn't show very often, but it does show when we can't let go of a lot of these things, when we're shown alternatives that make a lot more sense from a human perspective.
0: Ooh, see, and, and that's something about this sort of field. Um, these are like the third rail topics that people don't want to go to. And I guess that for Mm -hmm. me being a skeptic, I've always overlooked a lot of symbology just because it doesn't mean anything to me, but it surely means a lot to other people. So getting back around to it to go, well, now what does this mean then? And, um, just for instance, just the, the simple cover of the box saga with the, the Ouroboros, I believe it is Mm -hmm. on it. What, what is the symbolism of that? What is that supposed to show us? Completion.
1: Um, the cycles. I mean, I don't think the, the Ouroboros meaning has changed all that much, but the perspective from the box saga is a little bit. It adds on to it, I guess you could say, because not only does it have to, it's fractal. So on every level, it kind of echoes the same meaning, um, So on one level, yeah, it's about cycles and understanding the cycle of life because this was heathenism. This is paganism. This is the worship of nature, if anything. But there was no quote-unquote worship. Um, But it was just an understanding of nature. And so it has to do with the cycles of birth and death and everything. But it also has to do with the more physical side of things because in the Bach saga, they do some really exotic, if you want to call it that, um, rituals and not even rituals. Um, should I say just practices the way that they, uh, revered childbirth and the making of children was beyond anything we've ever seen or heard about. And it's Kind of deep and complicated to get into, but the you know, the Ouroboros also represents someone sucking their own dick, (laughs) and that we have now entered the ultimate territory of why people throw this out without really looking any deeper. I mean, because when white people do it and white people start hearing about it, it's too freaky. But we can watch National Geographic and hear about all sorts of weird rituals and and fertility rites done in all other places of the world for, by all kinds of different brown people no problem but as soon as white people might have done some weird shit it's all over
0: well i <laughs> mean i was introduced to the concept at least through the the tool album uh en- enema
1: Anima <laughs> <laughs> with the a yeah. that way which also yeah, signifies the main family in this story acer a e s e r
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah, That's yeah, that that's AE a,
1: symbol is a very northern Germanic symbol already.
0: Yeah, there's something with that language too, like uh it's just uh, I had friends that have been to places like Iceland and they they're taking pictures of the waterfalls over there and shown uh, very beautiful stuff. But then I look at the name and it's like Nyrgin Fyrgin Syrgin, you know, like I, it's <laughs> really it, it it for a westerner with just like the I mean, I'm a maybe at the fifth grade reading level here so when i start, you know jumping into those types of terms and that type of spelling is there like a helpful guide to help along with reading through this stuff or is that i mean just take it
1: really slow man because i've been digging into this for two years but i think it was chris and steve asked me like give us some word examples and i'm like oh, I knew this was going to happen because my brain doesn't work very well when it comes to that, like trying to remember all these little details about the language. It's so intricate and so hard to, to keep tabs on, you know, but I would say take it really slowly. But if someone wants to get into the box saga at all, or at least even skeptically wants to get into it, there's three main documentaries I would recommend on YouTube, which would be, they're all called box saga, but they're called welcome to hell. Welcome to Atlantis. And welcome to Rajasthan. And these three documentaries take you through the whole saga, through what is called the three time periods that the Ba'ak saga describes, which is the paradise time, the ice time, and the time that we're in now, basically. Mm -hmm. History is what they call that. His story. Um, And we didn't really get into the most intricate part about this was the fact that the original, in the story, the box saga, the original home of humanity was called hell, H-E-L. And Hmm. it was at the uttermost North Pole. But the saga claims that the earth was not tilted on its axis at the time. And it was standing straight up and down on like a, and the centrifugal force that they believe in runs through the center of the planet. They claimed was like a lance, so it was a ball and lance, and they claim that means balance because this is also all about phonetics as well.
0: Is um, that what Jimi Hendrix was talking about? When he was talking about axis bold as love. I, you know, maybe who knows? But That's um,
1: nice. but so basically, they talk about this paradise time. They call it paradiset, et et meaning time, uh, paradise. I can't remember what it breaks down to in root language, but basically, root language takes all of the letters, and the letters have a have a word association to them. And on every like complex word that has letters put together, it's actually more of a sentence and a statement rather than a word. It's really wild, and I'm, I w- I would butcher it to try to go into like great detail. But para deset breaks down to like para set, like ra means the king. Um, which is interesting because we kind of have that in Egypt as well. And the saga eventually does go to Egypt, which is pretty interesting. But, um, so you have the paradise time where the earth is standing upright and the top of the planet is getting beautiful weather all the time, unlike it is today. And there's tropical trees and massive growth and this beautiful heathen garden, (laughs) <laughs> or the garden of heathen called hell. So it's like absolutely blasphemous from a Christian perspective. But when you consider the Catholic church burned the entire earth to the ground and started anew, new, basically uh, we can probably blame a lot of this on that, you know, the inversion aspect that we see today and it's been a pattern forever.
0: Um, I learned a bunch about that through black metal um yeah exactly right <laughs> oh no they're just all satanists they're all evil right a lot you of know, them are really, in some history man a lot of them are some really crazy history and uh you are. know when, when you talk about that type of suppression just like a behemoth from poland just the way that the polish uh were, were treated uh throughout those years of just uh colonization i guess is the best way to put it uh mm-hmm. from the church um yeah that really kind of showed me like what what the downside or bad side, you know, evil side of that could be, but when people talk about Satanism, though, they often talk about the inversions that come with it. So right. if uh if what we understand then from what you're saying of of our modern interpretations of these things, I say modern in the past thousands of years, you know, at this point, <laughs> but what our interpretations of those things if started off kind of like when we started off this conversation, if they started off wrong, then like if they started off as a reverse of those things, then to come into contact with anything that was like the inverse of the inverse that you've been presented.
1: <laughs> right. That's why I gave this thing about how we grow up in a mundane world. And then, Oh, we have our eyes opened and no, now we know that there's that we were created by aliens. There's a 10th place, like all these different narratives that it's not that we all believe them hundred percent in the conspiracy world, but from afar, if you look at humanity the portion it's it's gray you know you can't, it's blurry until you get real up close and personal so this movement itself believes in flat earth it also believes in hollow earth it it's a it's a movement divided that has no fucking clue what it's talking about it's running in circles because it's missing key pieces ah, and i'm not yeah. saying i have all the pieces but i feel like the saga is definitely a piece that we've been missing absolutely you know yeah. because there's a lot of suppressed history that isn't talked about in even most of the alternative world because uh, there's there's just so many levels to the alternative world. You know, you you think one thing for a while, and then you get more mind blown after a while, and you know you're getting desensitized along the way. But um, there's a lot of what connects Box Saga to real history is history that gets written off as Nazi propaganda. Because anything about Phoenicians and Scythians being more than just random seafaring, barbaric religious people that really didn't go anywhere or didn't do anything. Anything more than that about these people and where they came from, it, you're getting into the Thule Society and Nazism and and oh, it's all rewritten in the twentieth, early 20th century. It's like, nope, it's not. If you look deep enough, this shit's been going on for fucking ever.
0: Yeah. And that's the sort of thing I ran into when I first got into a lot of the alternative platforms and and just checking Mm -hmm. out what creators were sort of uh, uh, making things on on BitChute and other places. And a a lot of it got into some of the race realism stuff, you know, when you get into like modern studies on this group or that group. So I could see that being a big thing for people going back and, and wanting to show that if there are different race lines and other things drawn there that it's just if it's a logical conclusion that we have to accept that's real the the more that we don't accept that then the more we let just everyone else assume wrong right we just Mm. let everyone else assume the wrong things we we go down the wrong path we just we hold ourselves back even more and and, and we
1: create world views out of these you know flag planting
0: moments you know well and and the same type of thing goes on with it could be something like ai for instance Where, you know, there are people that could be Luddites that could swear it off and just say that we will never go down that path whatsoever. And then there's other people that can find a way to use it in an autonomous way. Like, you can use that information, you know, for good. I mean, I don't know if the Box Saga talks about death all that much and how to process death. Oh I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that that's that's one of the two like when cuz you you brought it up in conversation before so I'm sure that there's some key stuff there. What mm. what would be controversial or sort of inverse to the the concept that, that most westerners have of death. That the box well, saga points out then.
1: Well, check that. This is an interesting point, right? When we see modern Dr. Kavorkian type stuff for the elder, even for the elderly, we're like, ah, see, they're trying to get rid of us, it's the depopulation. Like, we just go nuts with that. We just, it's all Satanism, it's they're you know, immediately, right? Oh, yeah, Canada's going wild up there with, with some new laws, <laughs> right? Right, right. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, right? Not at all. We're talking about different mentalities ruling the planet. Um, so this idea of Uh, assisted suicide right it goes all the way back i mean even in norse mythology they talk about something where the elderly were thrown to their deaths or something like that i think it's more barbaric in nordic stories than the box saga the box saga tells it as like a very noble thing where at the very end of one's life, you use a cane. And once you can't walk with even the cane anymore, then you're brought up to the very top and you fall backwards and reunite with the earth below. And it's dark as fuck from our perspective. And we can't say it's wrong or evil again. It's like we're talking about a society hypothetically If they existed, if this is all real, we're talking about humans figuring it out on their own with no outside influence. Like this idea that we have some sort of foundation necessarily with certain parameters called morals. I'm not against morals in general, but it's we've been living in a very strict parameter type style of what those things are. And who gets to define those? They they all (laughs) come from the church. All of them. It all comes back to the church. Now, who's running the church? I'm not I'm not blaming Catholics specifically or you know, anybody, because everybody knows that whoever the bad guys are, they just love using literally every institution as a shield to pretend they're this or to pretend they're that.
0: So shape shifting. I don't know. I mean, yeah, right. Of course, there it is. A that's the political thing, too. Yeah, that's that. That works in a lot of different areas. my friend.
1: But yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the, a little more about how this Paradise Time fell apart. Um, so during Paradise Time, the entire world supposedly was set up in caste systems in all different areas of the world. And little groupings of, I think it's four caste systems with one all-father family in the middle. But they're all ringlands as Atlantis is described. But they're everywhere all over the planet. And then the first Ragnarok happens, which is the first destruction. And of course, that word does carry on into Norse mythology and is symbolized by a fiery dragon, which is funny because, again, I connect these people to the ancient dragon bloodline. And I kind of wherever we see dragon in ancient myth and folklore, it seems like we're talking about these people.
0: And Um, I was going to say the ring lens makes sense because uh, the square is a very inhuman yes. concept almost isn't it's it
1: angle of sadness ah. or angle of despair 45 degrees is the angle of despair or 90 degrees is the angle of despair. it sucks for acoustics you know mm-hmm. if you have
0: a square room acoustics exactly right
1: wow. so um so this this ragnarok happens and whatever it is the story says that it tilted the entire planet like 23 degrees or 24 degrees or something like that so basically what this says is that where Helsinki is now or Helsinki was the North pole in the old times, according to the box saga. And since me, i found the box saga and was freaking out about it, I've found many other sources that put Atlantis in the North. They put, you know, the old North pole up there so the, the whole Mount Maru situation Uh, the magnetic North and all that there, there's other lines that connect to this. Um, It's just not direct usually. So when this happens, the entire Northern hemisphere and some of the Southern hemisphere were decimated with ice. It was an ice age. And what happened was, and this has been proven uh, geologically that this did occur. um, The warm waters from Mexico, the Gulf of Mexico, which formed the Gulf stream, traveled all the way up and where they would normally go over the top of the planet. They couldn't anymore because of multiple kilometers of ice. And this ice was stuck in the Baltic sea area in the Southern area of Norway and Finland. And so this area where these people were supposedly living, this main first family in Finland in hell um, survived this ice age because it was the only area that had stayed unfrozen. So it's like that saying when hell freezes over, you know, it's the only place that survived and they called this entire, and this, this time period lasted supposedly millions of years, or at least to them. I wonder if it could be thousands of years, but the story just, uses million as like a really long time or something that's just my supposition but regardless it uh it describes this time period calling it altlantis which sounds a lot like Atlantis and it is their Atlantis story and this is the one main thing that stuck out like a sore thumb to me before anything else did about the saga was because finally it was a different perspective on Atlantis but yet it fit with so many other themes too so no. it was a time period of survival during the ice time and it is altlantis is how you would say all the land's ice in the old finnish language the old swedish and uh when you think about it where are all the countries that are named land besides thailand that's a new inclusion but the classic lands thailand, are all thailand. in the north
0: ah yeah man i'm not going to think of words the same after this conversation for sure and a lot of different good ways. i mean when hell froze over <sighs> or when hell freezes over it's definitely going to you know be a different it's going to be different in my brain to hear that um even uh fairies wear boots just because it's going to an even another meaning now well, um, you know, the
1: word fairy comes from fair, which is old Greek, and fair meant noble house. It meant nobility. And it's also where stems the word pharaoh that went to Egypt. It, wow. it all comes from this nobility. Same with pixie, same with elf or elf or elven, because this word means shining, whether you're talking about irish elves or english elves or you're talking l as in like sumerian or babylonian it all means the shining ones and of course this has been equated to ancient aliens because that's fun but when you look deeper it relates back to real fucking people man
0: i wonder how much of this speech though just like because uh, i have the benefit uh, i i I don't go on camera on these shows yet, but uh watching the, <laughs> the watching the the benefit of you being on camera and just forming the words though, it sure. made me think of just there there's something about like the the gesture of saying those things, the inflection that comes whenever you use certain terminologies, um, that it, it sort of forces you also into a certain frequency range. Um and it sure. and this is something that Steve talked about on AM Wake Up with other people in the past, like. Um, of just like what different how different frequencies affect people Um, oh yeah just just what like an s or an f does you know in sibilance to to speech and you're just having to edit that recently um Mm -hmm. then whenever you're using something like that you're hitting like a certain note almost
1: yeah absolutely and i mean they call their alphabet like the ring of sounds and of course it is called Alphurness bet. Yes. <laughs> it's the same
0: they, uh, thing. What, you know
1: what's really crazy is when they That's take awesome. this word, when they take this word Alphurness bet, which is what they call their alphabet ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks down in the root language to the rhyme of the all father or the rhyme of the elves, so it's crazy. And again, this is the old Swedish language. What blew my mind, another thing that blew my mind, was early on learning about the saga, one of my very good friends now, Yake uh, Hagstrom from Sweden, who's been into this and knows the original Bach guys that were friends with Eeyore and everything. Um, he was telling me how like a couple thousand people speak this root language in Southern Finland. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. And the whole time I'm thinking man, they're speaking it. It's right under their noses and they don't even know. That was a supposition I had because then when I interviewed uh, Eric Edney, who was the producer of the three main box saga documentaries I told you about, he enlightened me that no, 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 those people know what they're speaking and they know why they're speaking it. And when Eeyore came out with the story, they had already been speaking it and doing it and having their family practices all along. Because uh, the story does go all the way through to 1049 AD uh, when the church basically murders everyone in what's called Udenma, which was the place around hell. So this place is called Udenma, hell. There's multiple words for it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the church destroyed everybody, killed everybody. Um, but an agreement was made at some point that, you know, you're not to you know, the remaining families, you can live, but you have to remain in secret. You can't be telling this story anywhere. We're the power now this is, this is all done with. And, um, you know, one of those main root families goes to Russia, the Rostrum line and the Boxstrom line goes to Sweden, I believe. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of detail there. But what's interesting is what I'm finding with this whole Tolkien stuff and where it lines up with all these guys' research is that they're telling almost the same exact story, but they're talking about it from a messianic point of view versus a Catholic church point of view.
0: It's which like is the comic me book a dialectic.
1: Well, it's yeah. a dialectic that we get in modern day right now.
0: Hmm. So because mm, like very much so, yeah.
1: now another angle to it is that the DeVeres and the, the Lawrence Gardner and these writers that talk about it, I don't know about Tolkien because all he wrote was fiction about it. He just alluded to all that. Oh, you can say a
0: lot in fiction, yeah. right? But they, a lot of he, diversion he based, there.
1: So these guys really revered these old bloodlines, this messianic bloodline that leads to Jesus and everything as like this holy bloodline that goes all the way back. And this is where Lawrence Gardner eventually said God is an extraterrestrial and he, you know, started putting out books like that, but I'm not following him that far. I I think what him and Devere both get right is that it it does go way back beyond Sumer. We know who settled in Southern Sumer. We don't have any questions about who the Anunnaki were, at least in terms of the language and the uh, references in ancient documents to who these people were. They were in the Balkans. They were in Armenia. They were all the way in Ireland and Scotland. They were in Mesoamerica. And their symbols never change. It's always the serpent symbol, the dragon symbol, the Ouroboros, if you will. It's everywhere. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend people with mostly with a skeptical eye. Please go look into the Box Saga for yourself and just keep digging. You know, look at the language, look at the documentaries, the places Um, there's so much to it and talking to the guys that are from that area that have both the Finnish language and the, and the Swedish language in their heads already growing up. They say that that's where it really clicks into place, this root language. And you're like, it's undeniable, that kind of feeling, um, talking to those guys about their proof, you know, hypothetically their proof, uh, how the saga is true is, deep in their uh, historical lineage of of Sweden and and Norway and and Finland and familiar names and Kings that have been written down in history. There's a lot to it. And it's just an area of alternative thought that a isn't very popular and B no one wants to look much deeper once they get the really uh, provocative parts about the saga, about the, uh, the weird obsession with sperm but the thing is, as weird and awkward as that may feel, even to me as a west modern western guy, it's still like it makes sense to me when they talk about it and what they say about it, uh, and w- at least what they believed about it. You know, it's it's almost a very, <laughs> in a way, it's an embarrassing story, you know, but it's all very honest. It's not this, we're all. Aliens from Atlantis and let me sing you some songs from Atlantis that we used to sing in our big palaces with all this technology everywhere. This is a very humble human story about what Atlantis was and where we came from all the uh, goods, the bads, the beautiful and the ugly of, of what humanity started out as that's what I get from the saga.
0: Well, with that romanticism removed, uh, then maybe before we end let's let's Mm -hmm. add it just to maybe keep people up a little bit uh in thinking if you could work in aliens into the tale, since you are a a fan and have looked into a lot of those those types of things in your past how, how would aliens fit into all this
1: man well it's not a really exciting answer but the word alien just meant outsider interloper someone with different customs and beliefs, someone that looked very different. And the craziest part of the saga is when they come out of this ice period and all the Southern tropical kingdoms throughout the world after thousands and thousands or millions of years had long forgotten about the original all father and all of that. Uh, they would be fucking aliens <laughs> Because yeah. what, they're, what they describe themselves in the story as is that living in the Arctic surrounded by mile-high ice for thousands and thousands of years changed the pigment of their skin, their eye color, and their hair color. Because in the beginning of the saga, something I didn't mention, in paradise time, everyone is black. There are no white people until ice time. Just like Arctic animals will lose that white Color When they are taken out of the Arctic, I guess, supposedly, according to the Box saga, when we were there for a really long time, that's what happened. And that's where the white people supposedly came from. Now, we can call it Nazi propaganda that the Mayans described that and the Sumerians described that basically everywhere in the world has the same description of who came from. And descended, quote unquote, from the great dark north.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nazis had nothing to do with how people migrated. (laughs) No, no, no. But what I'm saying is when you
1: go down these lines of thought where you inevitably if you point out the physical descriptions that the natives gave that's the point in time where anthropologists and people like graham hancock and everybody else they don't want to listen to them anymore and go oh no well (laughs) what they meant was they were they were shining because you know they're from another planet
0: like the fucking vampires in uh, that one movie i never watched it was like a chick flick deal oh but, yeah the um, underworld well oh, there was twilight that. well yeah, the twilight the same. yeah, yeah. Underworld, underworld
1: was like twilight for dudes that listened to papa roach you know
0: yeah U- underworld at least gave you uh sexy halloween outfits potentially but you know
1: <laughs> <other than laughs> yeah that. exactly and a guy that looked like scott Stapp from creed turning into like a vampire werewolf that was cool but oh, you know that would have been home. better for talk- creed
0: and scott right Stapp. Right, dude, dude they
1: got a whole reunion tour going on he's sober <laughs> everything's great my childhood's back i didn't ask yeah. for it yeah. but uh all we need now is like power man 5000 or something coming back but um oh, yeah dude you mentioned vampires man sure, dracula is involved in this too i don't know how much time we have but just to just to tease the audience if anything the story of dracula i don't
0: want to keep you all night but this is a really (laughs) awful conversation man i love i love letting it roll
1: and you know i haven't spoken really to anybody all day long my first job i was really quiet all day just was my head down working second job very much the same so this was just ready to pour out of me i guess but yeah what i found was dracula the whole story of dracula is involved with this too it's still more um dragon bloodline stuff and even the history of dracul the third himself he was absolutely being initiated into this ancient bloodline that absolutely existed long long before and well, uh bram
0: goes back into it doesn't it like the it, it does Polaris, but was
1: that's the that? thing so what um, many claim uh is that that's an, that's a total demonization of this bloodline. But of course this is a hard thing to sell, especially in the conspiracy world where even if you're not Christian, you automatically lean towards it because it's like, all right, even if I don't believe in like red dudes with horns and a pitchfork, They're clearly in like the church of Satan. Like all these people are involved with the new world order. So it's like, I don't go
0: to those raves anymore, man.
1: It's a little confusing, (laughs) you know, man. (laughs) But yeah, so it's, it's weird to, to like, it feels weird sometimes to uphold this like old pagan heathen idea against this more Catholic Christian idea, because I sympathize a lot with Christians and Catholics a lot of times in these, Ridiculous, quote unquote, end times. It's
0: branded itself as so civilized, hasn't it? Though, like it, forgets, what, what part of it? it's uh, the 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 Christianity part of of all this. I mean, I do listen to a lot of different creators, and a lot of them, especially on alternative platforms, they're coming from like the more conservative right. And, and no. I can play in that sandbox, and I can get along with those folks. I mean, they can't often play in my sandbox because whenever the rules are off, and you can say what you want, you can question things, and it's just like they do what you just described—is that you get, you'll get to a certain point with them, and they'll go, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." They'll want to cut you off, and right? Go, go, go no further, and test me, test my, uh, my, my faith no further, sir. I don't appreciate that. You know, like yeah, I often. I often liken it to climbing a mountain because i I love
1: I'm from the Northeast. we got a lot of mountains up here and and it's like taking a jetpack to the top of the mountain instead of like doing all the work and going through like up up the mountain yourself, you know, all the trials and tribulations, you know, man. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of uh, contemplation and peace to be found in uh, hiking some mountains. I have hiked oh, a, a few mountains in my time. I'm not much of a climber. I'm, I'm, I'm built for comfort, not for speed. So yeah, not, <laughs> not the Alex Honnold body, body type of being able to climb the Dawn Wall in one shot. <laughs> that so. dude's a psychopath. <laughs> oh, I don't do is. that shit either. <laughs> there's There's no activity in his amygdala when it comes to that fear. And I think that, you know, what we talked about here sort of kind of bring things full circle and I'll let you do some uh, uh, where to find you and stuff like that for the audience in a bit. Mm. But um, yeah, it does come down to that. It does come down to like sort of coping with that fear eventually. I think extreme yeah. music and situations at, at, at shows and, and, and other you know, ways in, in life, it sort of kind of wore me down enough. And, and sort of taking care of my ego enough, you know, after I eat shit so many times, you're know, doing certain things, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you, you, you kind of roll around to just being more open-minded to it, towards these sort of things. And it and that's work. when they get you, man. That's yeah. when the Satanists
1: come in and get you with all their horrible information.
0: Well, that's all the, that's all <laughs> I've been taught all my life is that you, you right? stray from the path. And then that's when that's when the devil gets you. And I think that's,
1: it's partially true. I think there's a reason why it's, so coincidental that all the right people are representing that for our christian friends like all these evil motherfuckers are,
0: they're you know, telling they're, you what you're doing to you they're
1: they're giving our christian friends exactly the apocalypse that they think is coming it's really messed up but you know the other part of that mountain metaphor is that a lot of people when they're climbing they'll get to a vista like a lookout point and they'll say this is my summit And people are like, "Yeah, but here's another bottle of water, man. There's more to go. Like it's a better view from up there. It's total clarity. Like, nope, this is my summit for the day, you know. And that's fine. I can't. No one can ask anybody to, to take any of this uh, and and run with it if they don't want
0: to, you know. It's hard to put into words what they're missing even in that moment, let alone with this story. I mean, if, the, if they don't know what the top of the mountain feels like, if they haven't seen it with their own eyes, if they haven't explored it with their own brain, they're, they're never going to feel it. They're never gonna yeah. Feel it like
1: and, and, and everybody's got their own summits, of course, too. You know, whether we plant flags in them or not, we, we still hover around our own summits and I know I have my perspective, but, honestly it's come from a very woo-woo perspective I had to kind of un i had to go out of the rabbit hole a little bit not all the way but at least throw dynamite sticks into all the ones that just run into one another and don't go anywhere you know well yeah it
0: becomes the maze at the end of the shining if not you know yeah, you just absolutely. end up dying in a pursuit of something that wasn't the proper way um Hell so yeah. I mean with, with that I mean you you do work with your, your podcast. Um, what is, what is sort of the aim of the the deep share? What do you want to accomplish with, with something like that program?
1: Man, I didn't know going into it, what, if there was a purpose other than me just letting it all out, you know, and seeing who else felt the same way or similar, you know, and, and now that that's established um, I guess this is part of my mission. I call it rehumanizing antiquity. One fantasy at a time. And of course, in my whole ideology, I guess you could call it, it leaves so much room for the spiritual, you know, it's, it's still there. And I've had my own ineffable experiences that I can't bring to words. And I'm, I've been comfortable calling it God, even though even that word itself has been humanized for me looking into language, but it's a placeholder and it's fine. The infinite, the the love, whatever you want to call it source. Um, I jive with that, but I just think at the point where you start to accept that is when that's when the demons come out of the woodwork, trying to tell you exactly what it is or what it looks like or how to get there or how to attain it, you know? Um, and the only guru that you listen to is right in here and even they're wrong most of the time, unless you're really sitting in silence.
0: I love that. I love that because, um, yeah, like you brought up, there's so many conclusions that one can draw so many claims that people can make. But, uh, Mm. as you said, like having the ability to look at things where, um, you can separate yourself from it. I think that that's something that, uh, again, it's, it's a shame that we're called to put these things into words sometimes. And when we talked about words being spells and and, and the roots of our, our language and, and the influence that it has, that it's it's almost a shame that they left it to us sometimes to work them <laughs> yeah. these spellbinding uh, abilities. Because yeah, it's very complicated. You can, yeah, you can't put in the certain experiences into words. If you've never done a somersault off the off the stage during an Acacia Strange show, you don't know what the fuck that feels like. You ever like, get so,
1: backhanded <laughs> during an occasio strange show? You don't know what that feels uh, oh, like. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's a crazy thing. Yeah. <laughs> there.
0: That, that's that's the kind of thing that I'm talking. Like you don't you don't know the experience until you feel it. And and I think that right. that's something that's a place that you have to get to with a lot of this stuff, whether it be the story that we talked about tonight in the box saga, or any of like the third world political topics that I usually cover on on my show. you you have to be able to understand that there's a part of it that you're not feeling. If you're just getting it through words, just through expression, that there's a part of life that's beyond that.
1: And before I forget, I do want to make one last point just about, I guess the work I'm trying to do, if you want to call it that it's, I really want to untangle our spiritual nature, our spiritual ideas, our spiritual gnosis, from history. I want to take these two threads that are obviously they're interconnected. I'm not saying they're not, but one of them is, is exposable. When we talked early about, you know, the ultimate message being, you won't know, and you don't know ever, you know, you never, you're never going to know the ultimate answer to reality and all that kind of stuff that I believe, but it's gotten so mixed up with our history that we are, we feel as though it's impossible to unravel the threads of history as well. And I I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand a lot of the time, especially because of where the synergy is with gods or aliens. This whole dynamic has kind of, it's like it cut cut our Achilles heel, you know? So that's kind of my perspective on it. But (laughs) yeah, you can hear me doing interviews over on the deep share, whether it's about this kind of stuff or branching into more uh, psychedelic or near death or meditative experiences one can have. I'm kind of all over the board because like I said, I started with kind of exploring consciousness more than anything else, but it led me back to our own story, you know?
0: Perhaps we should have a conversation then about savantism. Cause that's something that really interests me. The people that jump into like swimming pools and they can all of a sudden play piano.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or like polymaths, man. Those guys are nuts. Just do like five different types of high powered math. No problem in their heads.
0: Yeah, I did not get that brain at all. No, I have, no. I have a friend Neither that's did I. close he's pretty scary, but yeah, not at all. Not that's at all. one hell of a talent to have, especially in these kind of conversations too with numbers, man. It's pretty and even wild. with music count to 4 even gets tough at times, all right? So,
1: <laughs> dude, you're a musician. I got to leave you with one cool thing. The Anunnaki, the Sumerian kings list that everyone references that claims that all these kings live for thousands of years and shit like that
0: is that what he was on about is is, is (laughs) just let me from motorhead the descendant of all these people is that was maybe all
1: this the whole time maybe but um yeah that king list uh it has nothing to do with actual human ages and has the diatonic g scale factor nine encoded into it and it has everything to do with frequency and vibration resonance sound things like that
0: oh this is so, going to start a war on am wake up now because uh, there's there's somebody uh as a member of the of the am wake up crew that is not a big fan of the banjo and uh that that g scale <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a common one with the banjo so
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll send you a paper after this um, that has to do with that kind of debunking the whole
0: like, oh, these were our alien
1: creator kings. They lived for so long. It's pretty wild, man. It's all math. It's pretty cool.
0: That is is very, very cool. And uh, just to let everybody know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen back um, through this conversation and find all the different reference points that our friend Andy dropped for us here. And I'm gonna attach those reference points to what I call the source list that'll be on Substack. So uh, if you're searching uh, for things on Substack, search for number six TMP. I'll be able to show that here on the screen really quick. Boop, there we go. And I have, uh, well, the two weeks ago monologue on there cause I haven't updated shit. There we go. We're gonna move <laughs> that. We're gonna pin that to the homepage. Boomy, beautiful. But, um, yeah, you'll be able to find the uh, source list on Substack. And also, if you've already subscribed for free, you just find it in your inbox. You don't even have to do anything. Just check your damn email. So, but, um, Andy, you just uh, want to let people know where they can find you real quick before we head out of here, my friend.
1: Yeah, man. And thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate this, oh, this uh, awesome. conversation. It was, deep. <laughs>
0: it was all over the place. It was exactly everything that I wanted it to be and more. Thank you very much for coming, my friend.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. And again, we got to talk metal at some point as well, oh, of yes. course. It's gonna but, uh, but yeah, people are looking for me. You can find me on any podcast app at the Deep Share Podcast. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Deep Share. I'm on Facebook, Andy Rouse. I'm also on there as the Deep Share, whatever. I'm all over the place. Um, I'm on YouTube and Odyssey. I'm on Rumble. And uh, yeah, you can go to thedeepshare.com for everything else. Um, I have my store attached there where you can get all sorts of merch that I'm trying to put together, uh, some of which is uh, box saga related. I have a box saga shirt there and uh, a whole fundraiser thing going on on my website called Send Me to Hell because I'm trying to get over there and do a massive documentary on my own. to to kind of broaden the scope because the three documentaries I mentioned are amazing and they're all focused on the box saga and telling the box saga. I don't want to do that. I want to have the box saga in the back of my head and go there and connect a lot lot of other dots. So there's a lot of people that I plan on meeting up with places. I want to go a lot of historic sites spanning Finland and Sweden, possibly even Norway. So it's a massive trip. I definitely can't do it on my own. So I'm hoping I can get some support out there a little bit over time and we'll see. Maybe in a couple of years I'll be able to get over there and do it proper. You know, bring it up to the twenty first century standard and uh kind of um yeah, broaden the scope and see what people think.
0: Well, that would be again, thank you. That'd be an amazing documentary. <laughs> Thanks. I hope it. so someday. Yeah. You can ship your ass <laughs> we'll see over what happens. And, yeah. I mean, and I wanted to show too, because I know that you're on YouTube. I saw you have a pretty good footprint on YouTube. um We get your uh Rumble numbers up too.
1: Uh, Rumble's dog shit, man. I don't know why. I've just barely got on there a few months ago, man. I think it's like 12 subscribers or something like that.
0: It's all so right. It's all right. It's, no, it's very low. I'm showing everybody on the screen right now so they can get their ass over there and uh, follow. <laughs> Thanks, follow Andy on it's uh the the deep share podcast if you search for that on rumble you will find it uh go subscribe to him there and that'll get your uh more subscriptions there you'll be able to stream here live and if you if you do pre-record uh your stuff and prefer to do it that way though there is a way that I'll I'll tell you about where you can stream live to rumble and you'll get way more views because anything that you just straight upload to rumble they will fucking bury you no doubt oh, that's so, interesting yeah it's yeah.
1: probably similar to that on a lot of different pol- I, I haven't gone live yet and i i want to like jump into that at some point i think it'd be great to get a little back and forth in live time you know that'd be really good
0: well yeah so, And what i'm doing with tmp in 2024 is is that i'm looking for creators that uh, would want me to just distribute their stuff live um and Sweet. i can i can not only do that but i'm developing what's called uh tmp 247 that'll be launched in early 2024 and it'll be a 24 7 live stream on rumble of all tmp programs my own uh, tom from uh, saturday night anarchy and uh a- another new program that i'm working on and uh i can't tell you all about just yet but nice. uh anybody else that's out there that has a a, a channel um like this that would want to get distributed on tmp to get more people's eyeballs on rumble to it gladly do that shit gladly do that shit love very
1: cool man yeah absolutely that's the number one thing here we're trying to help everybody at the same time as trying to scrape by as well you know what i mean Uh, i'm okay with scraping by as long as i'm reaching somebody and and i don't know blowing somebody's mind that makes me feel
0: good Well, and and with that too, I mean that's that's the thing that I've found about AM Wake Up and its culture with its show, and then what I've been blessed with with TMP is that you know just the, the people that I've run into, the, the people that help support uh, TMP, and the people that do uh, work with me directly have all been fantastic. So uh, it's yeah. it's we we do have an awesome community out there. It is an amazing ability to be able to reach across the planet um, at times and talk to people about this kind of stuff so yeah it really um,
1: feels like we got this interconnected community whether we're far away or not it's we all have little nodes across the globe you know or the plane oh and sorry everybody
0: (laughs) well hey no that that, that's a perfect term for it though when you say node because um that's where a lot of like the the tech and sort of nerdy kind of stuff that i'll get into at times about Mm. federating the internet like today we had an issue where rumble went down for hours just was it continuously crashed every time i loaded it um so you was know, I, w- I was worried that we'd have to cancel this and i just sat back for a second i thought like damn it would just it would really suck to be able to lose you know that platform right now you know you and you- and i don't i don't keep all my eggs in one basket either like you you know andy i i put my stuff on different platforms but you know th- like you said that th- for me like and I, I love the live aspect of it. I mean, production wise, it gets a little hairy at times. We we do deal with the, te- the technical gremlins, as I've said. But um, when it comes down to it, though, getting that live interaction, getting that chat, because um, there's so many people like yourself that can just drop me one article, that can show me one video, and then that changes my entire perspective around on something. So and it, it's incredible to be able to do that. It's it's mind bending. It's ego killing. But <laughs> yeah, dude but it can be transcendent. It could be something better, you know, realizing what we are and what we're supposed to be can be something better. And it's not something we should shy away from exploring. Uh, so yeah. this is a great conversation for that. And I hope many more people join you on the deep share to do that.
1: Likewise, brother. This was awesome, man. Thank you so
0: much. All right. Well, folks out there, hope you enjoyed it. Hit that like button. Uh, please uh, support TMP if you can. Uh, we have links in the description. You can become a monthly supporter for either ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. That's done through Spotify for podcasters; they'll handle that for you. And then also our TMP Document Vault over on Subscribe Star. You can subscribe to for free. You can check out all the different sources that we can't fit on a Substack there, like big PDFs, pictures, and videos, and other things like that that we we'll put in there. Uh, but also you can make one-time donations uh, there on subscribe star. So that's pretty awesome. Or you could always drop us a rumble rant whenever we're doing these streams. Um, Thank you for everybody for being here for this stream. Thank you for everybody that's listening to the replays. And then thank you again to AM wake up for being such an awesome show and having guests like Andy on that I can make contact with and sort of go on my own journey whenever it comes to uncovering this stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been awesome so and we'll have to do it again we'll, we'll have to come back and, and talk about metal and, and other things too and hell yeah man would love to excellent so with that until we meet again and until we are free we are the new prisoners take care